VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome back. Newcastle are as near as done. Worcester survive. Anthony Watson is back and praise be so is Alex Lowe, who's been out of the game almost as long. I'm Owen Slot, and as if that isn't enough, Ben Ryan is here with us having reinvented rugby. Also with us is Chris Jones, who was around when the game was invented. Uh, so, OK, uh, one by one, that's Ben Ryan who took Fiji to gold in the Rio Olympics. Um, Ben, not satisfied with having mastered one form of the short game of rugby. You've just pioneered what are you calling the T20 of rugby. You feel rugby needed a new version for its survival? I think that Rugby X is going to provide more young supporters and certainly for Sevens Games going to really increase the salaries available for those players. OK, so Rugby X, we're going to have a proper conversation about this new form of the game a bit later on. Uh, Chris Jones, uh, always great to have you on. Uh, we always feel obliged to ask you again, when was it that you covered your first rugby match, Chris? Well, look, can I just say, I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about X-rated rugby with Ben, because I know there's been a lot about uh, that lately, and uh, we, I'm sure it's going to be really popular with the public. Everybody likes to get into an X, don't they? Uh, my a, first game... has got a wrong impression here. My, ben, my, you've, got to, you've got to redesign your X-rated rugby. I'd just like to say that my first women's game I covered was 1979 when the ladies of Magor in uh, the lovely county of Gwent took on a team of Americans who were bigger, stronger and gave them a good whooping. So, yeah, it's been some time I've been involved with well the oval-shaped ball. Done. Well done. And Alex Lowe, uh, how old were you when Chris covered his first game? Oh, my goodness. I was not even... What's the line from Blackadder? Not even a glint in the Milk- milkman's <laughs> eye. So there we are, a podcast for every generation. Um uh, good to have you here, gents. Um, I think we need to talk about the Premiership from top to bottom because there's stories uh, uh, all the way through. Uh, a lot's happened over very interesting weekend. So I'm going to start at the, at the very top um, and then we're going to get stuck on fourth spot. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Worcester, Leicester, what on earth is their problem? Uh, and Newcastle, if you're going to pull the team apart, who would you want to take home with you? Um, right, so uh, let, let's start at the top. Um uh, we uh, have um, merrily discussed the Premiership this season uh, as the most exciting Premiership uh, uh, of all time since it started. Uh, is that actually a, a fallacy, given that we've known from uh, very early on that Saracens and uh, Exeter were going to qualify one and two? Uh, they both had. They both now got the home semi-final sewn up. Is it a a, a brilliant Premiership? And uh, further to that. Is it right that we're going to go into uh, semi-final playoffs, which would distort what the Premiership has told us this season, that the two teams are uh, easily the best and everyone else is playing catch-up? It's been a fantastic Premiership if you're not in the top three, because below top three has been brilliant. Every time you go to a game, something ridiculous happens. I was at Leicester against Bristol. You know, who would have thought that Bristol you know, would go to Leicester and play like that and come away with a win? I mean, they've never done the double over, over Leicester. And, and this is a season where, where Leicester are just unrecognisable. And you, you, you couldn't have said that at the start of the year. You know, look at their squad. OK, half is injured now. But you know, Leicester have dropped like a, a stone. It's only lucky to them that Newcastle have dropped even further. But that whole grouping of Northampton, Quinn, Sale, Wasps, Bath, you know, and even Bristol now, it's really, really interesting because, you know, how are Wasps hanging in there? I, 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 sorry, haven't they been having an appalling run recently? And they yeah, seem to have a good game, do they? Uh, and they're in seventh yeah. place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is remarkable. Northampton, I'm really impressed with the way that uh, 
Chris has come over and done the New Zealand thing to them, and they've got they're playing nice so rugby. You first name terms with him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, that's Chris Boyd, by the way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Boydie. And uh, <laughs> yeah, bigger playing great rugby. Great to see a lot of youngsters coming into their squad. It's been they've been when they destroyed Sale. It was you know Steve Diamond who's usually got a lot to say. Steve just said, "Look, Steve uh, just said Diamonds." Sorry, <laughs> said, "What can I say? Everything went wrong. They were just too good for us." And that is why I think just to preempt this fourth, I think Northampton have finished fourth. Chris, do you, do you um do you find it hard reporting on the Premiership when you're on first name terms with everyone? Sometimes you've got to deliver bad news and strong opinions. I know, but if you deliver it with a, a ludicrously uh, stupid uh, nickname, it does help. <laughs> OK. Um, from, from, from Boydie to Ben, do you think we sh- that the, it's right to have playoffs this season when Extra and Saracens are way ahead? It, it's a function to make the Premiership remain interesting when we know who the two best teams are. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it's been set out as playoffs, and so you could argue that you know teams are planning towards that, and not you know necessarily their finishing positions in the top four. You know, I remember the very first time it happened with Gloucester winning the the league, but it was actually you know that the, the others had had planned for playoffs. So yeah, I mean, I I mean, I'm seeing Quinns go. You know, I think they've done brilliantly this year with with Guzzy coming in and um, having a few changes. Um, Guzzy and. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I shall continue. Alex, and, when we and, go to you in a minute, yeah. I want you to I want a bigger name drop. <laughs> so, so what this weekend they've got is it Tigers. So I can imagine they'll get five points out of that and then they'll go down to the last game of the season um where they're playing Wasps. Whereas less uh, whereas um I think what Saints have got Worcester, I imagine Worcester will be, you know, half yeah, pretty much. And then their last game of the season is an interesting one against Bath. Is that right? Northampton. Extra way. Extra way. Sorry. So yeah. So what they're gonna again? Extra. Are they gonna? Are they gonna have? You know, held back a few players because they know where they are the following week. Um. So that. So we can't. You can't look at that purely on form where those two games are going to go for both of those teams. And because it's nip and tuck, you can't really call that one. Um. But I do know Quinns have certainly. You've seen a real upturn in their fortunes. And I think they've done. They've they've done well. I think Sale are out of the equation. So it's you know it's it's the, it's those two for me. I think it's. Your question is, is it the most exciting league because the top two is sewn up? I mean, in some ways, you've got in Saracens, in, in Smalley's Saracens, one of the... Wow, um, very nice. <laughs> very nice. One of the great club teams of, of, of the modern era. For, for all the all the controversies that, that have, have affected or, or hit that club in the last few months, they're one hell of a team. And, it's, and it, it is brilliant to watch them play. But below them... There's just a myriad storylines everywhere from, you know, from from Newcastle falling from fourth to bottom, from Leicester falling all the way down to you know to, to you know, they're still not safe technically now two rounds from the end to that big group in the middle that, that Chris was just talking about, all of whom can you know have still got a lot to play for the resurgence of, of Quinns. I just think it's been a it's been a brilliant season because there's, there's just so much to look at even though we're not actually really discussing the top two very much because until until we get to the Premiership final, we pretty much know what, they, what they're going to be. Can we sort of part that conversation, can't we? Just have it on the last yeah. day. OK, so so fourth fourth place, as, as we've said, as we're saying, so Northampton, Quinn, Sale, Wasp, Bath and Bristol, uh, there's six points between them. They could all get that um, that fourth place in the, in the playoffs. Uh, so so let's let's go for, from right to left. Who, who do we think is going to get that that fourth spot? Well, so I think Chris? Northampton will get it just because I think Worcester will be on the beach now, and they're just so happy to have stayed up. And Exeter, as Ben said, yeah, there'll be a great opportunity for Rob Baxter to just say, look, park the best fifteen. Rest of you lads, come on, let's just play this match, which, which I'm sure the other teams in that central area will be uh, very annoyed about. But yeah, it's a sensible thing to do going into the playoffs. Uh, and I agree, uh, Quinn's Quinn's under uh, Guzzi have been fantastic, haven't they? In terms of, yeah, he's been seen as okay, he's a defence coach, but you know their attack has been great as well. And they've lost some key players. I mean, Joe Martin has been seen for weeks because of injury, and they've had, they've lost wings yeah. all the time. So to continue doing what they're doing. And also, you know, as we saw in the, in the match against Exeter, you know, they, they've they've taken the game to a new level. I mean, it's it's it was completely unacceptable what happened involving Joe Marler and Nick White. I mean, Nick White was just trying to arrange right to get that ruck <laughs> sorted, and he's verbally abused. 
verbally abused by a front row forward. The the referee had a duty to stop the game and threaten a yellow card to Joe Marler for use of that language. That was totally unacceptable. Does he know how difficult it is to arrange one of those caterpillars <laughs> to get all those forwards in a row and then be able to kick away? And you've got some numpty of the front row swearing at you. I mean, what is this game coming to? I think, I think you're being a bit harsh on your friend Whitey there, aren't you? Uh, well, look, look yeah, he's, he's going to be... He's, well, he's been called up in the Australian squad, isn't he? Yeah, he's going back home. Yeah. I'm not sure his conga was quite long enough. That was... I thought I it was taking just, a bit of a risk I with only that. that. I'm, I'm, I'm like, God, I was saying exactly the same to the TV. So yeah. it just drives me insane okay, building this. If, if anyone's confused about about <laughs> about Jonesy's tirade just now, uh, it, 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 it takes on average about one and a half minutes for a scrum half to pick the ball out of a ruck and put up a predictable box kick. And, and I, I think between us, we agree that that's too long. Yeah. Alex, wouldn't who's going like to come forth? Wouldn't you like to see a sort of a 13-man Okay, all right, you've done it now. You've done that now. <laughs> yeah, just see how far you can go back. Cause you'd start outside the 22 and go all the way back into the 22. You'd still have to, you wouldn't be able to kick straight to catch, you see. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I think it's, a, you know, it's taking the game to a new level. How, you should think about this for ex-rugby. All right, Okay, listen, we're, we're, okay, you're on a roll here, Chris. Which scrum half takes the longest to put up the box kick? Which takes, takes the longest? Yeah. Well, I think well, Danny care when he's when he's fit. Danny uh, he likes he's... to have a, he likes to have a good look okay. and a think about it. But uh, I understand he's going to be back uh, next weekend, which is great news for England because you know they need a few scrum halves. Yeah, all right. But we're just on the conga now. He's the, he's the slowest box kicker. I think so because he likes to have a look around. Okay, Alex, I'm trying to get an answer out of you. Um, who's coming forth? Harlequins. I think Harlequin. I think I mean Danny Care's comeback will help. I think they've, some of their big players are playing well. And if, if you just look at the fixtures. If if, jo- if Josie's saying Northampton based on what Exeter might do in selection, mm. Harlequins have got Leicester at home, Wasps away. Um, I think that's two two wins for them, and, and in which case I don't I don't see anyone. Well, Leicester needs something, don't they? So they're not going to give up. Uh, Leicester needed something every week for the for the last wasps half year. So, wasps are so predictable, aren't they? At the moment. <laughs> You just don't know. I, I think Quinns are the best place. I, I, I'm marginally with you on Quinns because I don't know. I don't know what you can expect from Exeter on that in that last game because are they really going to want to lose their their last game before going into a playoff? They're, surely they want a bit of momentum. I don't know, Ben. I, you don't th- you th- you th- they, I mean, also if Saints, <clears throat> if they go easy, then they'll play Saints again, probably one, four, two, three, won't they? So yeah. it'll be yes. that also they might fancy Saints over Quinns. Who knows? They might prefer that, you know, they'll have a look at that and see what the various strengths are. See that Quinns have got some boys coming back fit like Danny. Um, that, that that maybe, that, you know, I know that they within the laws, they might put a weakened team in against Exeter, allow Exeter, uh, sorry, against Saints, allow them to get some, get the points and come forth. Because that, that is not, there's, they're not breaking the rules there. I don't agree with it, but... but, the, the, but this weekend to... they're playing Saracens. Exeter playing Saracens. Yeah. So I don't think they're... I don't think it's in Baxter's makeup, but I don't think they're going to want to go into the playoffs having potentially lost at Saracens and then and then lost lost at home to um, to Northampton. No, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I doubt they'll go full ball in both those games. Saris Saris will rest their best team this weekend, won't they? Because they got the European final the following weekend. Yeah. So Exeter will be able to give Saris a bloody nose on one weekend. I know. So Ben, all right. So if you if you had to be one team, who would it be? I think again, I think Quinns could well get maximum points in the next two games. It might still not be enough, and I think they'll look back at that nineteen twenty defeats to Saints that, mm. that they could easily have won. They, that, that, that's that was that's, they that had was, a big long lead in that. Didn't yeah, they, they did. Yeah. So so that that's the game that they'll if they, if they don't manage it, they'll go. That's the one that got away really. But um, whatever happens, they have had a very good season. My um my son was working the bars on that game at uh, Stoop for Harlequin's defeat. So I I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but um, just thought I'd throw that Good in. Background, yeah, no, it's a bit bit of bit of colour brings a bit of yeah. colour to the podcast. <laughs> Which of anyone Gloucester or any of the, of the aforementioned do you think could uh, produce an upset in a semi final? General silence and shaking your heads. Well, Gloucester have got obviously Cipriani, uh, and Gloucester did beat Exeter in the yeah, uh, in and, Europe. You know. If he if he gets if, if they if they play off him like they like they can do at times, you know, Gloucester have been really nice to watch, you know, and they've got a, you know with Mostert in, in the second row, they guaranteed like they've got a fantastic line out, the scrum's solid, and you know Pelledri's uh, playing himself back into some form after his terrible injury. Uh, they're a dangerous side, 
Ben, shutting him down is 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 something that teams do. And we saw that a bit on, saw, on the Worcester yeah. game. I saw yeah, a bit in the Worcester game. I was looking at that and thinking, I wonder if they just they could have because they obviously were targeting Danny, and I just wondered whether they could have just slipped in. 12 trees at 10 for 10 minutes and moved Danny to 12 yeah. and just uh, just upset then Worcester's plans around that and then, then reverted back because they've got that in their game. They could do that. Billy's played at 10 and just would have been quite interesting with the, with the patterns they were, but they didn't. They, they stuck with what, how they did it. But I could see that happening in the future. If they're now reviewing these tapes, I could see Billy and Danny having a little chat with each other and going, we could have just mixed that up a little bit and that would have solved us some of our problems because they have got ex- and I think Quinns as well have got you know they've got the A game when they hit their form they've got some players that can cause some real problems um, and so yeah I, I think the semi-finals could be pretty interesting they're obviously heavily weighted in front of the, the top two but they're not they're not a write-off for the others. Do you, do you think, Ben, I was interested in what Rob Baxter said after the Exeter marginal victory at the weekend. He, he's, he, he, he was referring to the fact that Exeter, they've been top for so long, they've had their uh, qualification for the semi-finals assured for so long, and then they've had um, long been assured at home, uh, home draw in the semi-finals. So they, they have had a long period where they haven't had anything really to play for. He said we're in, in an emotional vacuum. And that, I think that vacuum is, is about five or six weeks or something so between the, the last game that, that really properly counted and the semi-final. I mean, it, it, is that something that you can empathise with as a coach, that, that it would be hard to get your players back on edge after a period like that? I think it's great that he's shown that awareness, <laughs> that he actually understands that that's where they are. And, and I think yeah. their, their planning's always been very good at Exeter. And they have got the upper hand because of exactly what you just said. You know, they, they, they've got all that time to be, able to, to be able to know exactly where they're going to be in the semi-finals of a home game. All, all that really ver- is ver- the variable is who they're going to play against. Um, and, I th- and I think for them, they'll get that right. I think their conditioning coaches there are, are excellent. They'll get them peaking exactly right for those semis in the finals. And they don't have, I'm sure they probably want to have, but they don't have Europe as well in, in, the, in their rearview mirror that Saracens have. So for me, they are the favourites to win to, to win the Premiership. Um, but I do see some twists and turns and you can see with you know firm ground and sunshine on the backs, both Gloucester and Quinns and possibly Saints if they're in the top four, yeah. causing upset. I remember years ago when they when Exeter came up and he, the way he structured his season he almost he put in like a a second pre-season midway through almost to to give them a, a kick start again mm. to, to then push up and, and then win the playoffs mm. and from a coaching perspective to have to be in that emotional vacuum where actually you don't need your players to go to the well every week they don't need to to stress themselves out and and, and have, they have no pressure on their shoulders is that not the perfect scenario for, for a coach to almost have a preparation camp for the playoffs that they can, yeah. they're, they're playing matches, but everything can now be geared up to preparing for. As long as when they get to those semi-finals, that you, the, your players don't, there's suddenly not, a, there's been a vacuum in intensity that. that, mm, that that's the danger, you know. isn't it? That... Yeah. I mean, I remember years ago when, when I think it was Bath that qualified really early for the playoff finals and it gave them, they had a week off, they had nothing to do and they ended up playing, when I was at Newbury, they played Newbury. You know, that was all they could find, the team they could find to play, you know, thumped us and it didn't really give them enough of a intensity of a workout and they, and they lost yeah. the, in the in the final. And so they've got, but the thing is, they'll be aware of it. Yeah. They've got to get that intensity ready to go into that semi-final, however they get that. But what they will have is they'll have they'll have the choice of the players that they want, and they'll have they'll be able to rest and what 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 we call a stress cycle. They'll create these stress cycles where they have like a three or four week program that will slowly ramp up towards with a bit of tapering, ramp up towards the semi-final. Then they'll have a mini one again in the, before the final. So they, all the advantages in their planning and. You know, to my mind, they've got them. They've got the brains there to get their planning right. I'd say that's all right for them to have a stress cycle like that, isn't it? I mean, here on the podcast, we have to perform every week, yes. and and we we suffer and well, we bleed like, for I'd it. I like take over the role, of the Rob Baxter role, then, because what's great about Rob Baxter is that he tells it as is. There's no sort of smoke and mirrors. He'll tell you that his players are in some kind of vacuum and they've got to get out of it, and he'll be telling the players exactly the same thing. There's no, you know, there's, there's no extraneous stuff he just tells it straight it's great to hear from somebody at the top of the league who, who doesn't do a football manager's rubbish speak he tells it as it is he's not happy with the players he thinks he knows what where they are and he'll get them out of it and yeah, the, yeah more power to him it's yeah. great to hear where, where, salary and give him England part time next year as well be alright then do his full time job at uh, Exeter and do, do England on the side Jesus, you put that yeah. out there from just nowhere out, yeah, just, absolutely yeah, from well, nowhere he's know. just named the next England coach 
And you can bring it. Yes, yeah, sounds perfect. Okay. We, well, we can't. We can't just let that go. <laughs> is that, is that, would, would that is be that your due solution? To the RFU's lack of funds. They can't actually afford a full-time well, there's, there's uh, all of that coach. As well. well, no. Look, I mean, he, you want to be like we go back to this intensity. You do need your week in, week out. And England coaches don't get that. You know, they 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 pop pop it. Have these windows of of. Uh, of of um of play like the November International Six Nations and World Cup that's it whereas Premiership's week in week out and you get blunt very quickly as a head coach. Um, Do you think that also that's interesting? Do you think that may be why Eddie is so intense and um seemingly at, at the peak of his stress cycle um during every England campaign because because he has to peak for every time it it maybe if he had a more week in week out then he would be well, it's a bit it's a bit like when you go into pre-season as a player or if you're a coach you know the coaches have had all pre all summer to think about how they're going to change things around do things and they're so excited in that first week and there's all sorts of new posters up in the changing rooms and all this new kit and cones and gear and they, they go a new quote to put yeah and, and it's all that and it's and it's suddenly it's <laughs> It's, it's just everyone gets so excited, and um, because they've you know they've been away from it for so long, and it's a bit like that with international rugby. You don't get them; you have too much time to overplan things. Whereas you get into routines and you can stress mm. out, and you can and you can you know exactly what your program is going to be with, for Exeter, with the exception that then you've got this really nice challenge of playoffs and Europe to play around with as well. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a completely different kettle of fish. But, but then, without wishing to sort of do do a whole sort of um, debate on this, did, have you just told us who you think should be the next England coach? Do you oh, think well, look, Rob we've Bax- all seen Rob Baxter in action? Like he, he's like you say, like Chris, it, he says it as it is. He's got the you know he's 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 built up a team to to you know based around you know English players often and and with an English coaching staff and they've done a brilliant job. I, I just don't think there's any harm in. If you think there's the best, the best person perhaps doesn't want to leave leave his job. Well, maybe there's an opportunity to have these people involved in the systems without actually just taking them totally away from what they're what's created, why they're so good in the first place. Is it as you say? He's he's built at, at Leicester a, a culture and a successful team over <clears throat> over a long period of time. Leicester, yeah. Does that qualify you to then deliver in those short high stress periods? With England, where you don't have the players week in week out, you can't build that same the same culture in the same way. Because that one of the arguments against selecting a, a Premiership coach for England is it is actually a different skill set or a different job, or, or can, can you convert what you do over ten years at club level, whether you're Mark McCall or or Rob Baxter, into an England setup where you may have a four-year cycle but actually only have the players for three windows a year yeah it's an it's an interesting one it like so free yeah so the so question question if you're a good premiership coach does that and you and you win everything at premiership level does that mean that you can make the step up to international level um well there's no reason why you shouldn't because if anything you're reducing that intensity and you get those pockets of of intense games the other way around is an interesting one can you go from international coach where you only have that short time frame where you can kind of like be overly um animated and fairly you know dictatorial to your players that won't work over a year with a team week in week out you'll soon get bounced back from players and from staff if you treat them like that so so i think there's no reason why you know you earn your stripes at premiership why shouldn't you be good enough to be an international international coach? There's absolutely no reason why that couldn't be the case. Unless you take a job which involves you having to uh, redesign the entire domestic rugby uh, format of a country like Conor O'Shea has had to do at Italy oh, yeah. while trying to win international matches. I mean, that what a job to take on. That, yeah. that, blimey. But you then know? Conor should never be discussed in the same terms as all the other international head coaches because his job specs are totally different. Yeah, totally different. Um, and I know, like you know, he, he deals with it admirably. When often they they look at him and the results of the first team, but then you have to see or everything else that he's done underneath. That's that. been amazing. Yeah, what he's done with the, with the franchises. But England, you know, for example, it's just the first team, isn't it? Eddie has nothing to do with age group development, anything else. It's purely that. Whereas you know, the Premiership, you know, some of them have that same remit, but very few of them. And someone like Baxter has his cast his eye across the whole club. You know, as you should, as as would McCall. Yeah, his, his his sort of personality and character sort of towers over the whole thing, doesn't it? And that's mm. that's one of the reasons why they they are where they are. Okay, um, uh, Alex, uh, where were you at the weekend? Uh, I was at Worcester against Gloucester on Sunday, and that went well for them. Yeah, it went very well for them. They, I had them 
as my tip to go down. Me too. Um, and I don't think anyone would have seen Newcastle falling as far as they did. But actually, I've been really impressed with them recently. They, they've even the, the games they've lost, they managed to, to eke out losing bonus points. Um, and I thought on Sunday they were they were they were really really good against a Gloucester team who do have the weapons to to beat them as, as we've just said. Francois Hugard at scrum half was just magnificent. Duncan Weir's been re- revitalised by going there. I remember I saw them earlier this season. He was against Leicester at a time before Leicester really, really slumped. And he was sensational that day. And he was he was really good again on, on Sunday. They're just playing with a a, a spirit and a, and a belief that, are, that hasn't always been there. There's a confidence flowing through them. And, and Alan Solomons was... There were a few eyebrows raised when he got the, the job there. His track record hadn't been brilliant in, in this part of the world. He hasn't brought something to to that team and I thought they were very good. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I was going to suggest uh, a talking point of, of uh, Duncan Weir's best signing of the season, but then if you look, if you look across the the, the tens that the the, the the Premiership clubs have signed, then there's some quite tough competition there because Danny Cipriani's arguably the signing of the season. Dan Biggers arguably the signing of the season. Which is the which is the the best ten that's that's coming out of those three? I think you know for what Biggers given that team. I mean, he gives them shape, he gives them a tactical nous, he, he gets them into the right position. And I think he's enjoying it. He's talked about, you know, small, silly things like going to the, going to the supermarket and getting, not getting verbally abused. Well, that's because Joe Marler's not in there saying, look, I wouldn't stack those cans in that row, just pull them in your bag. Look, do, do you not have a nickname for Joe Marler? I mean, you've, you've, you've called him Joe Marler twice now with that. I, I wouldn't dare. Joey or... I wouldn't dare. Uh, and, uh, you yeah, know, I think that Dan's earned every single pound he's paid by Northampton, who, who've used him in the right way, which Peyton they didn't do with George North. They, they, uh, they failed appallingly to use him as, as much as they could have done. But with Bigger, I think he's given him a fantastic shape. Yes, Cipriani going to Gloucester, but we knew that wherever Danny went, he would create this ability to play in a certain way, as he, uh, yeah, as he says himself, with the golden wrists. You, know, you can't help but play good rugby. But I think Bigger... You know, coming out of Wales, putting himself at Northampton, you know, who were going that well. And they, you know, a new director of rugby, Chris, came in, did his good stuff. And I think he's just done really well. I think he's, he's helped those younger players really understand how to play the game. And they've got some great young backs there now, really are, who are hungry to play. The, the, the exception to the, to the um, successful new 10 uh, thing is um, Lieber Sopoanga at Wasps, who doesn't seem to have cracked it yet is that is that going to be a second season thing or is is he just been sort of dragged down a bit by a whole wasp team that has really struggled to find their feet this season uh, my sense is is a bit of both um he talked from the moment he got here about the the physicality and the, and the different style of rugby as if it was a surprise as if it was a surprise but I don't, but i think sometimes when they can they actually i mean they don't watch that much premiership rugby in new zealanders uh, as we've discovered through this season, who was it? Look who, down their noses at it, don't yeah, they? Yeah, uh, Fekatoa. Chris Ashton revealed that Fekatoa didn't even know what the European Cup was when he moved to to Toulon. <laughs> so um, they sort of hear of this style of rugby, but they don't often they don't watch it very much. And I think he was slightly taken aback by that, um, and he hasn't he hasn't settled into 
the style of rugby that we know he can play. He has also been hampered by the fact that the Wasps have been struggling and they haven't had Jimmy Gopeth. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's almost the the single biggest factor. That they got rid of of Cipriani, who did dovetail brilliantly with Jimmy Gopeth. Sopwanger should have been able to to fill in that role. He, he's a class player, mm. but without Gopeth beside him, they've really struggled. Big, big, okay, biggest mistake by any DOR from last season to this, <laughs> letting Cipriani go at the time. No one wanted him. Gloucester picks him up so almost off the almost the off the scrap heap, didn't yeah, they? On the cheap, um, I think so. Yeah. Well, what's has been a very strange story all season, haven't they? Because you, know, you look at the, what, their best team out if they weren't all injured, mm. and you say, well, it's a really good-looking side. But remove Gopoth, and suddenly you know, they're looking in the midfield like they have no direction. They don't have that that way they were playing last year, which was really sort of challenging defences. And, you know, fe- funny, Fekatero will know about the Premiership next year, won't he? Because he's going to be standing <laughs> alongside yeah. Sopranga going, mate, what's all this about? Yeah, he'll help us. And, and hopefully that w- with Gopeth, that could change it again. And suddenly yeah. Dive won't be under so much pressure because Benny has been under pressure, hasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, it's that, back, like, that back line. That they've got a good back line, but without Cipriani, Gopeth and Christian Wade, just, you know, three massive attacking weapons that mm. they didn't have this season. And... and off of his back now, you know, he's back playing and they'll have a revival next year purely because of that. But Sopwanga has yeah. brought in one of the most of a cheerful Twitter accounts into English rugby, isn't he? Which, you know, that's something. <laughs> um, but your question on Weir, I think, you know, the, the signing of the season, we know what Cipriani can do and Gloucester have allowed him to do it. We know what Dabigas can do and he's made a big impact. But in terms of, from looking at it from the individual, Weir's career was sort of drifting and his form for Worcester has got him back into the Scotland frame again and um, he's been sort of down the bottom of the league but he's pulled off some big performances in big games and that partnership with, with Francois Hugo is really really exciting to watch Okay Good right. So so um, I don't think anyone's going to argue that Newcastle are highly likely to go down um, it already appears that Mark Wilson might uh, leave on, on loan um, uh, for, for the season which helped bring down their, their, um, their salaries a little bit if you could poach another player from Newcastle, who would you take? Well, I, I mean, it does depend on where you where you take you know where you're taking them to, um, because you know you look at the, that Newcastle side that it's full of it's full of Premiership quality players. You know, I mean, whether you need a Toby Flood to come into your setup at ten, he'll still do a job for any of the Premiership. Most of their back row, whether it's Nangusa, Graham, Welsh, Hardy, uh, and uh, they're they're all quality players. And then you've got young. You've got then you've got Nicky Gonover or Sinotti Sinotti on the oh, wings. No. That again, you like they're, they're, tackler they're, at scrum half. I mean, sometimes yeah. I just and think then, he's wonderful. And then a young. He's had a fantastic season at fullback, but you'd have to bring him into the right sort of team. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I mean, I've written all those down. Callum Green's already heading off to Leicester. I thought of it from the perspective of you. We all know that Sinotti Sinotti could high, you know, light up any pitch and mm. slot into any team. A player who's perhaps under underappreciated because he's at Newcastle, a bit like Ryan Mills at Worcester, is Johnny Williams, who mm-hmm. I think is, is a class player. And actually, if you put him in a top six team, you'd actually see the best of him. Bit like, I think if, if, if Ryan Mills played in the um, in the Saracens team, he'd be you know, he'd be as effective as Nick, Nick Tompkins is and would, people would be talking about him in a completely different way. And mm-hmm. um, So if I was a DOR looking to cherry-pick someone from from Newcastle who we don't already know about I'd go with Johnny Johnny yeah. Williams and you've yeah. got sorry those two two younger win, wingers underneath Zach Kilbriggy he's very talented and he's what 24-25 uh, Adam Radwan is another young winger oh, there yeah. as well both those players that you know I mean they'll they'll also carve up in the championship Rad, Radwan's already been connected to a move to Quinns I think for right. as a replacement for Nathan Earl Christian tell us who your who your favourite Newcastle player was well, I, I was going to say Johnny Williams because every yeah you know, we saw him at London Irish. Thought this guy's got real ability. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he, he can break the line. He's got he's got real pace. Sometimes his hands are not as fantastic. Yeah, he's playing alongside, alongside Chris Harris, who's yeah another really hard running mm. centre. Yeah. Their midfield is yeah, we go through all these things. What are they doing at the bottom of the league? It's yeah. ridiculous. But if I was going to pick one, and you want somebody just to, just to be that 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 special somebody, I'd go with Snotty Snotty. Um, okay, that's that's the Premiership. We we are now going to talk about uh, how the game might change or could change, or, or how uh, Ben Ryan's going to change it for the better. <laughs> uh, so the um, uh, Rugby X 
is a, a new sh uh, shortened shortened version of the game which is going to be launched in the O2 in October 29th um it's between uh, the semi-finals and the finals of the Rugby World Cup. Okay, and uh, let's go through it. So how many aside? Five, five aside. Um, so it's it's going to be six men's teams, four women's teams. Yeah, and they'll play kind of in the first session. There'll be a, a, a group stages, and then there'll be knockouts in the second sessions. Each session's two hours. The pitch is a full artificial, full contact indoor field um that's about 34 meters by about 50 how many minutes each game 10 yeah so there's no and there's uh and there's no need to turn around so it's you know it's 10 and no conversions no, posts. no conversions yep um and uh you can just get uh rolling subs you've got um no line outs ball gets thrown in from the side no kickoffs you start again on the 10 meter line mm. Um, we've done test. We've obviously done tested it a, a lot with England. They've been really good actually, and we had a test event at the O2 where we had um, England men's and women's sevens teams, wasps, ladies, Loughborough students to have trial games and do it all out. And with the RFU hmm. um, referees as well and officials and TV and everyone, and it and it, it's good. It, it works. Um, you know that I I totally understand when people. Uh, you know, we did the, the when Rugby X launched their social media channels uh, on Friday. You know, and they the first the first first uh, person that wrote in went, "Oh, this looks shit." So, <laughs> so, so but that, but you know, that's Thank the sort. Goodness, of, I put all that work in. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're obviously going to get people that just don't, don't like change and also just read the headlines. And I'm, you know, and it's like, yeah, I get that. Um, but when you, if you just dig a little bit deeper into it and see, a, we're trying to attract younger fans and. If you look at who's the, the the profile of people going to Twickenham, a the tickets are expensive, mm. b they're older, they get and they're getting older, and so are the sponsors that are, we're bringing in, whether that's insurers, and if in what ten years we've got old mutual wealth, well, it'll be funeral directors in a decade, you know, and, and we you have to shake it up, and you have to you know you have to have a package of the game that's alluring to youngsters and short sided, shorter versions of the game, so. And cheapest tickets, and to go somewhere like the O2, that's an amazing. It's a really cool yeah. venue to play rugby in. Um, I think we'll attract that, and as a result of that, you know there'll be there'll be sponsors that will come into the game that aren't currently involved in the game because again, it's 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 a younger crowd that will attract them. And then most of the teams are going to be sevens internationals, with you know one or two splatterings of other other players. Um, and I think also people don't perhaps realise that Sevens international players aren't paid a huge amount of money. And at the, the bottom end, you know, your Samoans, Kenyans, Fijians, Argentinians are on, you know, anything from part-time wages to five or ten grand full-time. Now, those guys that are wow. playing in these world, in the in the Rugby X, are going to have all their, their salaries, you know, significantly increased. And I mean significantly, you know, by by a number of digits. Um, and that's going to mean that the best sevens players are going to be retained into the game, are going to get paid more money, and we're going to then attract a better quality of sevens player. Um, and all of this is done in, in alignment with world rugby so that we're never going to clash on times of season and things like that. I just so for, for what I want to understand, Ben, is is where where did this come from? I, I'm I'm thinking it it wasn't it's not your brainchild, is it? You've been helping, it, yeah. So so I got involved when they when they then TRM, who also involved in the World League with yeah. World Rugby. This is an, a, yeah. a sports agency. Yeah, that's it. And um, so so it was their brainchild, was it? Yeah, they they talked about an indoor version of it, and then they asked me for more specifics, and then we went into the laws and, then, and all, so, all so around. So you that. worked with TRM, and then yeah. then together you went to World Rugby. Cause That's it, it. Yeah, pitched to World Rugby, and then talked to went pitched to World Rugby about it, and it's taken about eighteen months the whole process, and then. But I would say to to persuade World Rugby to do do something like this and and um, give the thumbs up to a new version of the game in eighteen months. That's very 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 quick work for them. Yeah, I think. Well, World Rugby like it because they see newer supporters coming in, newer potential sponsors coming in, um, supplementing the Sevens game and also also going into new territories with indoor stadiums and the possibilities around that and then also the grassroots possibility that it is such an easy, you know, as an ex-teacher and someone that also works mm -hmm. in, in, in London at the moment in some, some of the schools... Um, you know, rugby doesn't exist there. An extracurricular sport doesn't exist in most of the inner cities now. But short-sided versions of sports, 
um, is a really good way of of reigniting that in the schools as well as just you know numbers are down everywhere and mm. clubs universities schools have all contacted me about wanting to know more about rugby x just because they want it as another version to keep people in the game so none of this is to try to overtake sets sevens or fifteens it's it's to help both and obviously we we want to we, we, there's a commercial element to it of course there is but ultimately i see this as a real positive and you and but the other side of it is you think rugby needs it because, as you say, well, uh, well, it sc- schools schools are struggling to provide rugby in, and despite the RFU's efforts and yeah. uh, numbers are going down. 91% of our kids go to state schools in the UK um, and there's really only, you know, uh, there's, a, there's very few. There's, there are some state schools that, that have a good rugby programme and there are not many of them. But I mean, you've, if you actually you've only got to spend a few hours in any of these inner city schools, and there is no extra sports, cricket, sport, full stop. Um, and then often the teachers then aren't coming doing anything after school because they don't need to. And very few of those teachers have any rugby background, so th- there's an opportunity here. You know, basketball's on the increase. Mm. You know, seriously on the increase in in the UK now, both with television um, picking it up on Sky, showing it, um, even things like. You know, the video games are really popular and kids suddenly know everyone playing in the NBA. Basketball will, if we're not careful, and I'm a big fan of basketball, it will quickly overtake the recreational side in 10 years uh, and rugby will fall to the wayside. So you need to be proactive and I think this is a move that's going to help in that respect. Chris, what do you do? You, what do you think of this insofar as, as Ben says, you put it on social media and, and you know, probably the most predictable thing of all time that... that, that some old 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 rugby hard nut would just go on and go. Oh, this is shit. It's not why. It's not describe yeah. the RFU council like that. But there we go. <laughs> um, look, we know that yeah. With kids, I know attention spans are not great for the kids. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just. Well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's for another reason. Uh, but yeah, ten minutes each way. Yeah, a ten minutes match. Great. TV. Yes. The big row going on about cricket, isn't it? The T20s taking away from the county game, and you know you're getting players who are not uh, equipped to you know, play a, a long innings at, at Test cricket because they are tuned into this fantastic money-generating yeah. form of the game. Do you see? Is and I, I'm looking at this thinking: Is this the golden egg? Is always get into America. Get in America. There's all this money lying around. You just pick it up when you get there. Is this what you see as the one way? Because we know getting into the colleges is difficult. Getting into schools is yeah. difficult. They've tried really hard. Uh, the sevens are number one in the world at the moment, and they're make, making small steps. Is this a big step thing if you can get into America because well, of the attention span about the, the sort of image you could the, the come across on TV? The, game, the simple version of the game and the fact it's an indoor stadium, so you can play it anywhere across the US, and the fact that sevens at the moment, because it's, you know, it's it's got this it's got this weird juxtaposition of really fast seven minute each way games, but it's over twelve thirteen hour days, mm. so you know it's, it's hard to TV to package for TV to buy to sell at, at good levels, um, and I know seven the World Rugby are doing a lot about trying to reduce that format and and have those golden two hour pockets, but this provides it. Um, I don't think it's going to be we're ever going to. I mean, it'd be a lovely actually if we ever get to the point where this is become so big that it's going to even think about taking over either of those then we've got a good problem because it would have it would have brought in you know a, a, a large chunk of uh, of people that aren't involved in it before and it, it, there's other little interesting ripples from this we talk a lot about being and we're very very aware of of player welfare on this and we've done huge amounts on this and we've we're going to limit game times and we're making sure the the, the facilities are all good and the standards are good and the recovery all that stuff we spent a lot of time over but if you look at some of the premier clubs there are some players that are getting you know week in week out it's really hard on their bodies you know and they're getting hammered then they're going to internationals and they're getting burnout and we're going to see players leaving the game early Um, but then we've also got in the same clubs players doing nothing you know and they're retiring at 25 not because they're injured but because they can't either get a contract somewhere or they're not getting any games so we've got that. We've got still got those things that we're overcoming as a new professional sport, and it is only twenty years old. And I still think that's quite new. Um, and so there'll be players like that that might be another strand that they can do that, and they can do mm. seven. So I think you know, and ultimately, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if you don't try it, you don't know. And uh, well, there are T20 specialist players, aren't there? Who just yeah. go around the world from each T20 
uh, competition. Just playing, st- starting up 15s in a school is difficult. You know, it requires a lot of facility and organisation. Actually, sevens as a start-up isn't that straightforward because it's so knackering to play over a full pitch. Um, you know, it's it's and, and long passing and it puts your skills under pressure. As an actual entry point sport, sevens isn't necessarily the best thing. So you need to find these these other opportunities. Um, so you know, it might not work, but you know, we're prepared to give it a go, and the signs are, are reasonably positive at the moment. Listening to Ben speak, then I'm just taking back to a conversation I had on the touchline of watching my boys play football with a, with a friend of mine who's a PE teacher about why a PE teacher at a state school about how hard it is to get rugby into into schools because, as you just said, it, it's a complicated program to put in place. There are um, there are, there are kids who who aren't who've never been schooled in rugby, not they don't understand the game, and that actually it strikes me as um, that could be a real benefit. That 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 idea of of a simplified version of of a game, five a side that you could play it in in PE lessons, seems like a you know, an entry point that, that could really work in in state schools. And I know that the friend of mine who's, who's a teacher would he 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 can't bring rugby into his school, but I think mm. but but this is, as a game you could play in you know within a PE lesson. Yeah, hundred really percent. And you know, and in confined space. And we have have to point out that World Rugby have given us this this go ahead on on a test basis for the first year. So you know, after this event in the O2, they're going to make a call on it whether whether we can run it again. And you know, speaking to Brett a couple of days ago, there's no reason why they'll say no to that. But they're they're rightly being cautious. You don't want suddenly people coming in and making these radical changes and and then allowing them to run free. So we've worked every step with along the way with World Rugby, but. Yeah. Well, listen. I say good luck to you. Um, form a new form of rugby that brings new people to the game, uh, that makes it fun for people who might not have played the game otherwise. Uh, seems to me only only like it would be a good thing at this stage. Right. Listen. Not we don't normally have notices to read out, but but we're such a big podcast now that I have got a notice today. Um, Wayne Barnes was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and. Um, uh, he is running his uh, annual charity game, which we want to give a big up to because it is raising funds for breast cancer now. This coming Sunday at Lydney RFC, you can go and watch the Forest of Dean Combination 15 against a star-studded Wayne Barnes 15, which is being coached by Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones uh, it's not been on a great run recently, so you know maybe get a win on that one. Um, okay, enough of that. Fifteen members of the Wayne Barnes team have to have beards. Is that part of the prerequisite of playing? Because that will completely throw Eddie. He just won't know what's going on. Um, it's just not part of his makeup to deal that, with that. But the, the the information I've been given says there's food, fun, and an auction, but nothing about beards. But anyway, we'll find out about that. Uh, right, we're now going to um, uh, wrap up with um, the uh, week- weekly um, final feature, God and Goddess of the Week. Has anyone got a uh, nomination they would like to throw in? Yes. Go on, Chris. It's got to involve involve a, a cringy nickname, by the way. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, well, um, it involves former Wales back rower Nathan Thomas, known as mates probably as Nath. <laughs> well uh, done. Whose team were trailing 23-20 against Oakdale in their, uh, their, their big final, the National Bowl final. And uh, the time was up, so the players thought, but they were awarded a penalty. So Nathan went, all right, ref, and said, how long have we got? And he's got, he said, well, you've got one play. So they opted for a scrum and scored in the right-hand corner and won the, won the title. They could have gone for the three points and shared, a, shared the cup, but Nathan... And the boys from Abergavenny and he said, no, thank you very much. We want the glory. And they got it. What a God. That, that is a great nomination. Just, is, that, is that Nathan Thomas who must be about 57 now? Well, you go and tell him that then. No, but I tell you what, he's yeah, looking very one, big. One yeah, he he was the one who won the European Cup with, yeah, with Bath. In, in, and he's in, now in won the National Bowl. In, what year was that? 98? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a magnificent nomination. So he's there. But it's so. But he is old. He, I mean, he's older than you. I think. Well, we're getting ageist now. No, no, we love him. We love him for that, Alex. Uh, I think that's a great nomination. I was going to pick Francois Hugard, not only for his performance, but you talked about Liam Sopawanga's social media. But I discovered at Six Ways belatedly that um, Hugard's Instagram is a is a very entertaining. Um, follow uh, full of he seems to live a, a completely different existence to anyone else who lives in that part of the world with his blacked out motors and uh, bling so I found that I found that entertaining so I'm going to go with Hugard 
I, I mean, I, for different reasons, well, well, half the same, it's Hugard as well for me. I just thought he was outstanding at, at the weekend. He's just brilliant. Like, um, uh, so, so that would be it. And obviously, like in the championship, um, I was, it was disappointing to see um, my local club, Richmond, go down, but they, they had a terrific win against Scottish, London Scottish, in their, in their final game of the season. And it's a shame that how that's worked out, really, with Hartbury having all sorts of ringers coming in to survive in that league. And then Richmond... Uh, Richmond relying on their part timers, taking but, down people as you walk out the studio. I, I mean, I like I, and I like Hartbury as well, but I just think and and they did everything within the regulations. Um, but still, I thought that was a little bit unfair. And obviously, congratulations, London Irish. It'd be great to see them back. Although again, I'm not so pleased they're going to be eventually back at Brentford at the new at the new stadium because as a season ticket holder at the Bees, I really would like a nice firm field. I don't want rugby players stomping all over it. Can I just add one more nickname? Tommy, as in Tommy Turner, and and the Tongan masses um, at Amtel who've got themselves into the championship. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that, that's, great story. That extra- Absolutely great can story. You tell people who All Tommy over is. the Pacific Islands, they are now wearing Amtel shirts. It's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. It's it, it's a great story. It really and, is. And, and t- who who is Tommy Turner? Paul Turner, former Wales outside half. He's coached everybody, and he's now a director of rugby at at uh, at the new Championship Club. Ben, yeah. you must have played against him, didn't you? Tom, uh, yeah, he coached me at Bedford. It's yeah, Tom, played, is he, yeah. he's Tom to him. It's Tommy to me. <laughs> Tommy Turner. Yeah. No, it, it is extraordinary. Amptill do not look anything like a Championship Club, and they haven't even got a stand on their ground. An achievement, uh, that's for sure. I think God of the Week goes to um, your, your friend Nath, Chris. Well done there. Yeah. All right, but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks very much, uh, Ben, Alex, Chris. This was the Ruck back again next week. Please uh, come back again. Thanks for listening and see. See you then. Bye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.